Before we get to this week's podcast, I want to tell you about Digiday Plus, our premium membership product, which gets you the Digiday magazine and a steady stream of exclusive research about the industry. You'll also get to be a part of our Digiday Plus Slack community and exclusive events. We recently did a live podcast with Lindsay Nelson, CMO of Vox Media. And we're doing more of these. Our next event is in January with Bleacher Report. And if you're a member, please join us. If you're not, please sign up. It's only $395 a year. And for our podcast listener, that's you, we have a discount. Enter the code PODCAST at checkout and get 10% off. To learn more, visit digiday.com and you'll see the Digiday Plus tab on top. This is Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sangol, and this week we're playing three sessions from the Digiday Marketing Summit we had last week in Nassau, Bahamas. Here's one with Edlyn Laria, who's the Global Director of Digital Partnerships at Johnson & Johnson. She spoke with Hilary Milnes, who's our sister site Glossy senior reporter, on how partnerships and platforms don't have to be one-sided. So let's start with your role at Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. You guys own a lot of brands. We do. The brands have their own relationships with the platform. So how are you sort of mastering the entire Johnson & Johnson portfolio and navigating those relationships for the company as a whole? Sure. So um, about I started about four years ago and noticing that our brands had individual relationships, our corporate comms had different relationships with the platforms. Mm -hmm. um, needed to figure out how to pull those all together. Yes. So negotiating on behalf of all of us made a very big difference in terms of the platform. So now we are a global partner with Facebook. So we're one of the top 30 uh, partners that they work with. Um, we work with Google as well. And making sure that we had a unified vision was mm -hmm. really important to try and unite sort of, I was talking to someone earlier about how working at J&J is like working <laughs> with the Titanic. Yeah. Uh, not, the, not that it's sinking, but it's a very large ship that makes it hard to steer. Uh, mm -hmm. But we need to make sure that we're focused on the same goal and we're going in the same direction. So a lot of what I do is helping set the overarching strategy for the partnerships and the platforms and then negotiate on behalf of the entire organization. Right. So we talk about a single brand navigating different platforms. You need to have a unified message, but you can't really just slap the same creative across platforms and that's hard enough for one brand how do you do it for was it 150 156 brands 156 I think we have brands. around the world <laughs> yeah really really different um, so we really focus in on Facebook uses their terminology brilliant basics and we've used that across a lot of our partners so making sure that everybody knows what the foundations are mm -hmm. but then also really thinking about this evolution to your point it's not just one piece of creative that I can stick even on Instagram versus Facebook versus Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So really getting them to understand how to design for the platform that they're on. So fit for platform is very important. Um, we're starting to think a lot about forced versus feed. So when we have captive audiences on YouTube, obviously, there's a way we're going to design a 16-second piece of creative for that versus on Facebook where you're scrolling and we know we have that three-second audition to get you to stop your thumbs. Um, it's very different. So mm -hmm. it's our job to make sure that the brands understand the basics and what good looks like. So we spend a lot of time talking about what does good look like mm -hmm. and then translating that out into our brands. And then of the brands that do it really well, we take that and steal it and give it to another one. So mm -hmm. it's a good opportunity to have so many brands to be able to test and learn with. Right. And, and for CPG brands, is it 
you know, what, what works for uh, Neutrogena could also work for Listerine. Is that, does it Sometimes. sort of translate? Yeah. yeah. How do you figure that Sometimes. out? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're organized by what we call franchises, so there's certainly an oral care franchise mm -hmm. and certainly what we have in beauty. So. Sometimes that works, but it's a very different consumer in mm -hmm. terms of the way that they're using our product. Right. So we look at um, problem solution. So we're really focused on making sure that we get to you when you have the problem that you need. We are the solution that is there for it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that manifests itself in different ways. A lot of the categories are low interest versus higher interest. I mean, having a baby obviously is really high interest. So mm -hmm. um, it, it can be hard to share, but at the end of the day, it's still a mom. Right, a lot of the time, so mm -hmm. we can use a lot of that learning too. So let's focus on a big partner like Facebook. Mm -hmm. When it comes to that relationship you have with, with the team there that you work with on a regular basis, what kind of guidance are they giving you with what type of creative works? You said you, know, you just want things that, that look good because mm -hmm. that'll get them one step closer to actually buying the product. Yeah. How much do they actually, um, actually help you figure that out and, and sort of guide you through that strategy. So we're lucky they help us out quite a bit. So we've used um, their creative shop services to do a couple campaigns. So we launched a brand called Le Petit Mercier here in the US last year, not, well, not in the US, but back in the US last year. Uh, they helped actually design all of that creative, which was really important. I think one of the things to take away, because I know we're a really large brand and certainly it's pretty, well, sometimes it's not even easy for us to say, hey, we want you to help us with this creative, is to really ask for it. They've got a lot of really good examples of what works across the platform. So we do ask a lot in terms of, especially in beauty, what are other beauty companies doing? And they have creative strategists that will come in and talk to you, and we utilize that quite a bit. And we use our agencies as well to really go in and make sure that they're learning. So we have partners from Facebook, very much like they work with me. Mm -hmm. They work with our agency partners as well to make sure they are top of mind learning and making sure that they understand how the platform works really well. So I lean on them a lot, but right. I ask for a lot, which right. is, I think, the key to success. Especially when you have to spend money there yeah. now. I, I think Dana just mentioned organic is it's not dead, but especially on a platform like Facebook, it, you have to, to yeah. spend to get anything out of it. And so how does that as we're talking about just looking into where ad dollars are going, mm -hmm. have you shifted that at all? Is it still Facebook and Google are the main ones? Um, where do you, when you look at all the platforms that you're working with, what mm -hmm. gets the most uh, attention? Um, I mean, I think that Facebook gets a lot of attention just because it's very hard to do well. So we certainly spend a lot of time thinking about that. Mm -hmm. In terms of where we spend, Facebook and Google certainly of those partners are where we're spending the most. That's where most of our audiences are. That's where we see most of them, where they have problems manifest themselves. But we do still spend a lot in programmatic media as mm -hmm. well, and I'd say we spend the most there. So really getting into really great programmatic is a whole other challenge that we have to work on, which isn't my responsibility, thank goodness, but uh, it's, it's definitely similar to the challenges we have with the platforms. So. Right, and as we're also talking about control, do you feel like there's that sort of tug of war with, with the platforms where you're, you're kind of saying, hey, like I, you're, you've said you've been looking at this for the past four years. Mm -hmm. They can no longer kind of just tell you what to do. Even if they can help, it's, you're building up your own expertise as well. So how has that sort of changed the dynamic over the past few I years? I think that's incredibly important. And one of the tips that I have for working with partners is making sure that you do have a lot of expertise on your side. So much like McDonald's we were just talking about earlier, you need to make sure that you have people that understand how this platform works on your side. 
and that's also in your media agency and also in your creative agencies as well because that gives you the power to go back and question some of the things that they're telling you because gosh sometimes these platforms are so big they don't even understand what's going on so that's where we're discovering things like oops that measurement didn't quite add up here or you know this isn't something that I think is a value so that's something that I spend a lot of time uh, with my organization on is we set out the value pillars that we want for the platforms and that's what goes into our JVP discussion so it's not that they're telling us what they're going to give us we also have demands of what we're looking for from them and I think yes we have a, a lots of leverage we spend a lot of money so we have that leverage but also, I think anybody should do that with any partner that you have, is have a really clear vision of what you want to get out of it and how it's mutually beneficial. Because otherwise, it's just a transactional relationship, and that's something that we really want to move away from. We want to work with strategic partners, but you have to have a strategy for the partners to execute. So right. that's the key. And going back to the data and the measurements that you mentioned, do they usually add up? Like, are you when you get that data back, are you also matching it up with party uh, first party data you've called in-house? Like, how do you even make sense of all this data that's coming in from the platform? It's a lot. Actually, yeah. that was one of my sticky challenges. If <laughs> someone tries to sell me another dashboard, I'm going to kill someone um, because it's not that we're lacking for data. So there's tons of it, and to make sense of what's a signal and mm -hmm. what's noise, it's incredibly difficult. So. Um, I think that's something where our partners can help us a little bit with more as there's sort of an onslaught of data and they're like, here's our API, good luck. Um, so we do have to spend a lot of time combing through that data. That's not something that marketing organizations are necessarily structured to do. So I think smaller companies are really lucky because you know, that's what they're born out of is data and really mm -hmm. making sure that they know where every dollar comes in. I mean, I've been a marketer for almost 20 years. Back when I threw out my print ad, I wasn't like, ooh, did that actually run in that publication? I got to match that up. So <laughs> it's a huge shift for us in terms of the amount of data that's coming and what's important. Right. And that's something that we definitely are looking for more and more help with. But again, the internal structures and making sure that we have that expertise is really critical. Yeah, so when you have this this sort of view uh, over the platforms, like you want a unified strategy across all of the brands, you want to be able to, to digest your own data. What does that internal structure look like? Have you sort of shifted around teams? I'm sure that bringing down the silos is really important. So how do you sort of make sure that everyone's set up in a way that they can work to the best of their ability while doing the best they can on the platforms as well? Absolutely. It's a lot of having a centralized backbone. So I know centralization is not a popular word these days, mm -hmm. but it is critical to make sure that we have the centralized structure for making sure data comes in in a central way, making sure that we can moderate. So moderation is a big thing for us and mm -hmm. consumer engagement needs to be centralized. What we want to do is take away all of those extra functions so that, to your point, the brands can do what they want to do in terms of experimenting without having to recreate the wheel for that framework. So right. we were talking yesterday, and I was trying to describe like when you do tomato plants and they kind of grow up on that, that infrastructure that they have. That's kind of the template we want to make sure that people have. So um, centrally, we can create those templates, mm -hmm. what your reporting should look like, what the hypotheses should look like for your test. But away you go. I mean, you've got to go off and test it. And it's just, right. my organization's too big for me to control absolutely everything. All I want to know is if there's some plant that's popping and really growing, <laughs> I'm there to make sure that I can harvest those tomatoes. So right. that's definitely something that we try to do is get out of the way, but make sure that everything's set up to Yeah, is it grow. like the goal to be more nimble and, and empower more people within the organization to make those fast decisions? So it's 100%. not like, we're going to sit on this for a month and a half. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But it is empowerment, and that comes from knowledge. Mm -hmm. 
Right, so making sure that people in the organization have the knowledge to be able to do that. So we have digital councils very similarly to uh, what was mentioned earlier, but mm -hmm. they're a little more organized um, regionally so that people do sit together and can talk about what's working and what isn't. Right. Um, the other way to organize people that I don't know that I've heard too much about are learning agendas. So I am a big, like pretty much the joke now in a meeting, I will always <laughs> say learning agenda, we need to add that. Um, but making sure we understand what we're trying to learn and where we're going to go. Because mm -hmm. if you put that out and make that very public, that's something that everybody can rally around. And that's mm -hmm. a good check for us too to say, okay, are we actually learning? Are we progressing? And that's how I hold my partners accountable. Because if I don't have anything to show for what we learned at the end of the year, that's a waste. And shame on me and shame on them. So having a very strong learning agenda drives success, in my opinion. Right. And as I'm sure as you're trying to test new things, if you have this, okay, we're going to get this information out of it, we're going to learn this, we can then act on that. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> in this hypothetical world, yeah. uh, that can be a use case other than just, oh, it drove this many sales. Right. That might be able to open up a little bit more experimentation because I'm right. sure, you know, as we're talking about how hard it is to get through all of the data, you have these still expectations to meet and higher-ups to answer to. Absolutely. I mean, it's very challenging for us because we don't own our sales data, right? So right. we technically aren't a B2C. We sell businesses. So I saw Amazon. Hi. You're one <laughs> of our customers. Love to, love to have you. Um, and uh, But we don't get that data back. So we have to look at other ways we can look to see what success looks like. So mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a conversion. It could be signing up for more information in terms of our database. Right. But we're also testing things like if we put a buy now button on everything that we run, is that going to change the dynamic of mm -hmm. the ad? Did it work? Did it not? So all of these little variables that we're starting to test to see what works, that's the culture that we are trying to capture in our organization and make sure that the partners understand that. We are testing them as well. So we're right. not just taking what they're telling us as gospel. Right. And going back to the buy, uh, the buy now button, I feel like we heard about those so much like two years ago. Yeah. Are they working on different platforms? It's really hard for us. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I can ship you a pallet of Neutrogena if you'd like, but it's mm -hmm. very hard for me to ship you one tube. So mm -hmm. um, buy now buttons are hard for us to right. uh, use because also I want to make sure that sometimes I drive to Amazon and sometimes I drive to Walmart. Mm -hmm. So it is a bit of a challenge, and my senior executives love it when you guys write about buy now buttons because mm -hmm. I get a call, can we use it, can we use it? And I'm like... Have you figured out the logistics behind the warehousing of a tube of Neutrogena yet? Right. So um, they, they do work, and we do sell direct-to-consumer on Neutrogena mm -hmm. and some of our other brands, mm -hmm. um, and I think they do work super well for some small smaller organizations. I know myself, I've bought a lot of stuff on Instagram. They get me every right. time. We're like, why, yes, I do want those fun socks, yeah. and I will buy those right away. So I think it's a great innovation. Right, but it's not one size fits all for every brand all. in the portfolio. Not at all. Um, not. And, and speaking of Amazon, how's that partnership changed or grown or is it sort of coming up to the same levels as, as a Facebook or a Google? Absolutely. So we have sort of what we consider our global partnership tier and that's uh -huh. definitely one where certainly in the past with sales we would have had Amazon in that tier but now as we start to think of media and how we're working with Amazon they're mm -hmm. a partner like that and I'm really excited to start working with them a little bit more mm -hmm. um, notwithstanding that you're in the room even but um, <laughs> also because I think there's a lot of things that we've learned from some of the other partnerships and mm -hmm. uh, that was another deliberate decision was to have the partnership all report into me because that cross-pollinization across the partnership. So what do we do well mm -hmm. with a Google versus a Facebook? What would I like to change and how can we figure out how to get the best out of all of them? Mm -hmm. Really excited to start pulling some of that knowledge into Amazon and as they start to build their partnerships with brands, um, I think they're super eager as well to learn. So it's a huge opportunity knowing the eyeballs that they have on the platform right. and really figuring out, for me, I think discovery. So discovery of new products, um, new solutions, that's going to be 
a really interesting journey to, mm -hmm. to take. So. What about the, the grittier side of working with platforms? You have Facebook that can change the algorithm at the drop of a yes. pin. Uh, <laughs> Google, the people running into trouble with YouTube ads that are, yes. are a little bit unsavory. Amazon asked. having its essentials line. How do you navigate the, the darker side of these platforms? There's always going to be something. So that's also how I put it. And I think that's a new world for us marketers to get used to. And I spend a lot of time calming down people in my organization mm -hmm. where, you know, what I tell you today will probably be wrong tomorrow and you have to get used to that. And yeah. that's not a culture, you know, we're giant blue chip companies. What do yeah. you mean we're wrong? <laughs> we want to make sure things work. So mm -hmm. there will always be something. I think having those really strong partnerships that are very transparent. So mm -hmm. I tell my partners, I don't want to be sold to. You're a part of my team, much like I think I'm a part of your team. Mm -hmm. And so don't bullshit me. Like, let's just make sure we talk about what had happened. So we certainly had some challenges with Google and YouTube and, right. and some of where our ads were running in the UK. Mm -hmm. And it was just that transparency and that dialogue about what are the solutions that we're going to take and mm -hmm. everybody taking the same ownership, you have to do that. Right. So we're going to have some tough conversations and we do, but ultimately the strength of the partnership is what's going to move us forward. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to be nimble and flexible, but have a no bullshit policy. At Absolutely. The same time. <laughs> do not, because then I get very mad. So right. don't, don't, do not bullshit me. <laughs> um, great. So, so as we look ahead to the, uh, the next year, what's your, what's top of mind? What's a big priority for you? What's something you want to figure out or? that EC has changed um, over the past year? Two, two big things for me. Uh, one, still data and measurement, so really how we start to pull more insights out of the mm -hmm. platform. So I think it's great to look at performance uh, data and how our campaigns are running. But just now what people are interested in, the content that they're looking at, Facebook's audience API, I think is really cool. We've done some interesting research there um, on things like Tylenol PM. Um, and babies, so I just think the fact that we can get some insights mm -hmm. for research and development and just content development and really what we should be developing is really interesting. So I want to use more of that. Google has trends. I mm -hmm. think um, Google Search Trends is such an underutilized tool, and I don't know why people don't use that more, but mm -hmm. uh, really digging into that. The other one is around creative. So how do we make sure we're building true, addressable creative um, and really, really getting good at fit for platform? So uh, it isn't just taking something and cutting it down. So I don't want to see six-second cut-downs anymore, right. <laughs> like actually designing for the unit of six seconds and understanding what that purpose is, mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to seed and test mm -hmm. within our organization. So yeah. two big hits for us. Yeah, too big. It'll be a big year. It'll be great. No, it'll be small, yeah. Uh, <laughs> does anyone have any questions for Edlin? Thanks. Uh, hi. So you mentioned um, your program market advertising is a big part of your media buying and stuff like that. So I was curious how um, in that space are you ensuring not only your brand safety, but you're also safety from ad fraud and kind of the whole thing that's going on there. So we have a robust program. Our partner is J3. They run all of our programmatic media. Um, we use Kadrion and a bunch of other programmatic tools to make sure that we manage that. So that's something that is taken care of by the programmatic team, which I am not a part of. Uh, so I can't give you a ton of details, but I know it's something that has come up and we spend a lot of time looking at that and J3 is quite aggressive about making sure that we are protected. So we feel pretty comfortable that the media that we're delivering is getting to the right people in terms of ad fraud and then brand safety separately. We spent a lot of time, we're one of Google's big partners as well. So we have a couple of things we're working on with IAS and other partners that are going to help us help us there. So we're definitely feeling more confident about it, but there's still a lot of work to be done. So it's never going to be 99%, but it's the world we live in. It was a 99% on TV as well. <laughs> I tell my team as well. 
So you mentioned uh, learning agenda earlier, mm -hmm. and uh, my organization has, uh, or they, we like to say we have learning agendas. Uh, I was curious as to how you're able to get multiple stakeholders to agree on what the learning agenda actually should be. It's a great question. So we started that last year, kind of middle of last year, is when we had our first sort of true official learning agenda, I get everybody in a room. So we had a big meeting where we had a bunch of brand folks, people from the partners, um, our measurement and insights group team, uh, people from the media company, all in one room, and we just started talking about it. So here are some of the things that we are interested in, what am I curious about? It was about a three hour long session, whiteboard, sticky notes, and then we started to group the areas that we're interested in learning. So without giving away the secret sauce, one of them is around shop, for example. So understanding shop and commerce, what are the questions that we need to focus on? So getting those buckets together, and then you have to, uh, one thing in big companies is you shop the hell out of things. So uh, we had a draft, draft learning agenda, and then we take it around to all the stakeholders, get people to input, and honestly, uh, when people have something to react to, it made it a lot easier as opposed to, oh, did you think about this? And then we check in on it quarterly so that we can say, this is what we've learned. Do we need to take things off of it or put things back on it? But it's, uh, it's nice to have everything down on paper so that people can rally around it. But get everybody in a room, speak now, forever hold your peace. That's kind of my, <laughs> my way to do it. I hope you didn't. Hi. <laughs> I hope you didn't mention this in the beginning. I missed the very beginning. But um, from the global perspective and working with your counterparts within global, no, yeah. um, just wondering how you manage the JPP, JBP with other teams. So do you bring you know other cross-functional teams in to talk about it? Um, do I, I, I'm just curious about the process because we have. Something yeah, no, I totally understand. Um, I kind of run a soft dictatorship, if you can't tell. So uh, it's definitely something where I give a lot of input. So I sort of have meetings with my stakeholders and regional partners. You tell me what you need, so I'll, I'll take their orders. Then I'll put it in, mash it together, have one big global document that we negotiate at the top. And then we do have regional plugins. So there's regional nuances where we tell you, you know, this is the media spend that you have to hit, and these are the deals that you're going to get or the bonuses you're going to get because you work as part of the global deal. Um, but I also force them to really go down to priorities. That's something that I spend a ton of time on is focusing and priorities because everybody's going to ask for the world, and that's their job. But it's my job to say, OK, here's the top three things that we're going to do for you. Everything else is off the table. Good luck. You can try and figure that out on your own. Um, but having that semblance of kind of air traffic controlling the JVPs is really important. Um, and again, having like the, the something to work off of so that we can shop it around. But it's like you get the one session, and then you're done. Because otherwise, like the first time I did it, it took forever, and we didn't get it signed until like June of the year because it just dragged on and on and on. So it's you will get your chance to air your concerns. We will take. One chance to go back to your concerns, we'll come back to you again, and then we're done. So, because otherwise we won't get anywhere. And it, it works so far. I mean, I have a lot of friends, but it, <laughs> it works. Okay. All right. Oh, and last question right here. Yeah. Um, what role is the agency playing in forming these partnerships with the platforms? So we, they're, yeah, they're a great partner for us. It's a slightly different than what we did in the past. So we used to let our media companies just negotiate them on our own and kind of come back and say, here you go. Um, I think back to talking about having experts on our side, because media is one small part of these partnerships. So asking for things like creative support, measurement support, um, how I want you to help us with training, where would we see value? So the agency will come back and say, here's value, and it has a dollar amount. There's a lot of things that are intangible that have even more value that we need to make sure we get in 
into that. So it's an equal partnership. So I work with J3, I have a counterpart there, and we work together to kind of come up with what our first offer is, if you will, and then go back to the platforms and rev that. But it's my job ongoing day to day to stay there and make sure that we are getting the right value. I go to the brand lab sessions and make sure that these things are, are what we need because sometimes what they're offering is value isn't that useful for us. So, and that's my job to double check you know, the agency's work, but it has to be a partnership. We need both sides because I don't get all the media little tiny deals and make goods and all that. I don't, mm -hmm. that's not my job. <laughs> all right, thank you so much. This is thank great. you. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. This was our last summit in 2017. If you'd like to be a part of our events, please visit digiday.com events and learn more about what we've got coming in 2018.